Welcome to Screen Masters with me, Bab. And me, Fluff. And today on the show, we're going to take a look at Star Trek Strange New Worlds and see whether it follows in the slightly dirty and disgusting footprints of Picard or whether it's more of a return to the good old days of TNG and so on. So on. But first... We, of course, need to get done with the admin. So, if you want to join the conversation, you can go to facebook.com forward slash the Screen Masters and send us a message or like the posts or whatever you want to do. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at the SM underscore pod. And if you want to go back and look at any of the old YouTube stuff, it's bit.ly forward slash bitebackyt. Now, actually, I've totally skipped over one bit here because I'm supposed to do my words. So... Today, we're going to be turning to the words of Kate Bush, which, of course, will give everyone yeah. an idea of what I might yeah. be watching at the minute. But it seems particularly topical. And we'll say, it doesn't hurt me. Do you want to feel how it feels? Do you want to know? Know that it doesn't hurt me. Do you want to hear about the deal I'm making? You. It's you and me. And if I only could make a deal with God, and I'd get him to swap our places... I'd be running up that road, I'd be running up that hill, I'd be running up that building. And there you go. Not a yeah, huge fan I, of that song, I, I, be honest, Yeah, I, I don't get the reference, what's that all about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it, though? That, that it Every, everybody seems to be going nuts for this thing, and I'm like, yeah. I, I, like, I, I, I actually kind of prefer the placebo cover that, like from 2003. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I quite yeah, like yeah, that yeah. version I, of it, yeah. but yeah, 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 the Kate Bush original is a little bit... A little bit too much for me, but um, I, I like the way they use it in the show, obviously, and uh, I understand why it's become important. But yes, I've, I've got the final two episodes to watch, but obviously that's about five hours worth of watching, so it's finding the time to watch those last couple of episodes now. Yeah, I, yeah, as we know, I couldn't give a crap after the second season. Oh, really? Well, when yeah. people mentioned it the other day, you'd said that you'd, I thought you said you'd watched it. No, no, stranger thing. You no. didn't bother. Could not give a crap. Yeah, and uh, the thing is, I that's why I didn't start the fourth season for a while, because I was like, <sighs> the third season had some fucking filler in it. And it was... Yeah, see, I said this about two, and everyone's like, oh, third got better, and I was like, oh, really? Because no. all I heard was filler, no, and no. I was like, Yeah, third was this. the worst I'm, for no, it. I'm third third was that. the series no. where I looked and went, lads, you, you're making it too long. Mm. You, you don't need... 18 episodes, 15 episodes, however long those seasons were. You know, you, you could cut a couple away and you'd still tell the same story in a better mm -hmm. package. So I was very concerned about that. I've got to be honest, the fourth season, like, the, the episodes are ridiculous. They're all over an hour long. Like, I, I watched one last night, it was an hour and a half long, an hour and 40 minutes long. And they're crazy. But what I will say is the, 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 the one, because they did it sort of seven episodes, then took a break, then did the last two. And, like, the last one's two and a half hours, and the penultimate one's an hour and a half. But the fuck? I was watching the, the sort of first part of the season finale, if you like, which was an hour yeah. and 40 minutes long. That's bullshit. That's and too much. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to get bored during the middle of yeah, this. Yeah. I tell you what, 
I, I realised at some point I needed the loo, so I paused it and I thought I was maybe half an hour in. I was an hour and 20 minutes in. I was like, fuck, it's actually flown by. It's really surprised me. I, 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 I like it. I like it. I think it's a return to form, the fourth season. It's it's no, I've, I've had this discussion with many people. Oh, she give I um, I didn't give a shit. I, I didn't I didn't care about the characters by the end of the second series, and I was like, I doubt I'm really gonna give a crap about most of them come the third. So what, what is, it's, it's not for me. Yeah, not everything is. No, no, absolutely, is. absolutely. It's um, <laughs> it is funny though because the kids have all reached that age mm-hmm. that all acting kids reach, mm-hmm. where you're suddenly like, yeah, you're you're a man. I don't buy you as a. Yeah, thirteen-year-old yeah, yeah. high schooler anymore. That, that was always going to be their biggest exactly. problem. Yeah. Will Byers, the you know the, the key lad of the first one who gets kidnapped. Yeah. He is taller than everyone. I was going to say he's, he's probably a, like a six big, four. Exactly, a full yeah. beard, shaving every day. <laughs> you know they're having to like cut halfway through the day. Sorry, he's got his he's got his nine o'clock shadow. Yeah, is it? Uh, shit, we got to sort that out. Yeah, yeah he, uh, again, it's. It's it's one of those shows where I'm like, okay, yeah, fair play, it's keep trundling on, but I'm like. It's gotten a bit too big for its self, if that makes sense. Like it's, in, in the sense of Netflix is basically pinning all their hopes on keeping people, uh, you know, on on Netflix by Stranger Things alone. They're not bigging anything else up. They're not talking about any of their other original content. They're literally just saying Stranger Things. And for me, that's a bit of a burn because it's like the fuck like everybody else can go fuck themselves mm. like mm. it's it's one show one show does not matter i'm not watching it i don't if you put stranger things there and you're going to say it's the best of your shows i'm going to disagree mm. but you know what i mean that's that's the way they're selling it but yeah the fact that they're hanging their their head on one show which realistically maybe has a season left i think is, they've does it decided have a they've do, they're doing one more season that's like, that's what i will say is the fourth season has done a good job of integrating what's already happened mm. as as part of the ongoing tale of the thing so it's explained who who did the, the baddie is for this one and how he's connected to the mind flayer that was always the big bad from the off is the mind flayer he's the guy who's behind all this supposedly or the monster behind all this in the upside down but it, it is funny that they they keep they keep closing the portal to the upside down at the end of every series. Oh, we'll close and then, it. Course, and oh, it magically exactly, opens again. Exactly. What so this one's like, shit. well, hang on. We closed the one in Russia that we did. We closed the, the one car, in Hawkins yeah, no, that, no. that L opened up. We've closed Bollocks. the one in Russia that we didn't know about. It's, it's the deus ex machina of it all. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. It just happened to open. Fuck off. Like, there's only so many times that there's a level of believability yeah. for that. And then, I mean, at the end of the day, it is a horror sci-fi show, so sure. But if you're going to keep going to the same well, by opening another portal, yeah, you 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 you're basically, yeah, you're getting less imaginative. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it's lazy writing. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anyway, I, I'm enjoying it, but and I'm surprised I'm enjoying it, and I love Eddie Munson because he's a massive metal fan, and I really like that. But it, uh, the, the other reason that I found it funny is that it it all um, the start of it, and particularly this season, rotates around the Hellfire Club, which is a D and D club. Mm-hmm. Which they stole the name from from the X Men. Yeah, yeah, nobody absolutely. see nobody seems to be acknowledging that. Like everybody's walking around with these Hellfire yeah. Club T shirts, and I'm like, sons of bitches. Yeah. Like X Men did that first. Yeah, absolutely. The fuckers. I mean, don't get me wrong. They shot the bed with that when they did it in first class. But they said about that piece of shit, the better. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Evolution. His name is Darwin because he. Evo- <laughs> we're, not, we're not going there. We're no, not let's not. We're not going let's, there. let's not go back to Darwin yeah. and how he can't actually die. Yeah. <coughs> 
<coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I apologise for the occasional cough, ladies and gentlemen. I'm getting over a bit of a cold, so uh, it's not the COVID, though. So don't worry. Yeah, even though I have stayed away for the last three weeks. Yeah. No, it's fine. I've been testing. I've been testing. That's fine. I'm negative. Um, so, yeah. Well, we've had a little bit of a chat, but let's. Oh, I'll throw it your way. What if you? Uh, uh, what do you want to bring to the forum? So, firstly, uh, I'll give a shout out to my good friend, Mr. Mortimer, from work, who is. Uh, as I said to him yesterday, the only person that I know that still listens to the pod who actually talks to me about the pod, which is always nice. Um, and he did make a recommendation based on the amount of Marvel A news and B Marvel show stroke movies that have been out. He'd like us to do a Marvel catcher, which I said, I think is probably on the card. Yeah, I think so. I was um, thinking of an SDCC episode because I think we did one a couple of years ago. We did. When the last proper yeah. SDCC where we started was, talking about Hawkeye and the potential yeah, for Hayley Steinfeld like to come this. in. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so it'd be it'd be so, so I'm not going to shy too much on the the, the films and, and series that have been out. So obviously Thor has uh, has now come and gone. Yes, um, let's talk Thor. We'll talk Thor brief, but again, want to yeah yeah no I don't want to spend too much time um, on it, but I'm interested in your opinion. Yeah. So did I enjoy it? Yes. Did I? genuinely hope for a little bit more yes um it was less dramatic thought and way too much humor for thank you uh is is my takeaway from that they seem to find the right mesh of that with ragnarok, ragnarok. i was gonna they say exactly they genuinely did whereas this one i found even more conflicting because we really aren't picking him up from where we left him at the end of endgame he's a broken shattered person and you're like I thought, like, by the end of Endgame, part of that was resolved. He'd gone back in time and had some reconciliation with his now-dead mother. And got to... So he got a few bits, and then by the end of that, I was like, okay, now he's just a bit of a whiny bitch-ass. Just, it just didn't gel with me. And my biggest problem as well as um, somebody who looks at... You know, I know that Marvel touch on some serious subjects from time to time. Yeah. But when you touch on a character going through cancer, you need to give it a little bit more drama. But not saying dramatization. The, the no. Gravitas. Thank yeah. you. The exact word I was looking yeah. for. They needed to give it gravitas. Now, you know, I, I, within my family, experience that kind of heartbreak in, in, within a family, and they really didn't emphasize that shit anywhere near as well as they. You're going to talk about cancer, something that affects. God knows how many families in you know in this day and age. You need to handle it with a little bit more care and a little bit more seriousness than she's got cancer. Ah, oh, she picks up the hammer and it's good. It, it it just didn't. The I think we both agree because we both read it. The actual uh, Mighty Thor story, which is actually in the comic books, tells this story a hundred times better. Oh yeah, Gordon God Butcher is an incredible villain. Um, in I mean, I don't mind christian bale's villain too much no the he villain but also he the, took the, it seriously uh, that was but it's the also good the bit. the secondary story with jane dealing with, yeah, with, with the cancer because again when uh, within the con context of the comic book version jane foster is thor for a little while yeah, yeah. it's not like a flash in the pan kind of thing she's been thor for a while but every time she picks up the hammer it basically does take away all the chemotherapy that she's just been through. Yeah. And this keeps happening to her frequently throughout the series. So it's not like a one and done. So it emphasizes it a little bit more. You have doctors, you have people coming talking to her, just saying, 
you know, there's no magic that can fucking fix this. Even she says, I don't want some magician to just snap their fingers and I, that that's not how I want things to work. And they really don't emphasize that seriousness. I understand no. this is lighthearted kind of Thor it's, Marvel. Yeah. But if you're going to touch that subject, do it, do it properly. Is that was that was my takeaway from yeah. it. I still enjoyed performances around. I do think that Hemsworth needs to take a back seat and disappear for a little while. If he's going to come back, come back as a grittier Thor. It just there's nothing there's nothing to the character at this point for me. He's he's kind of gone through his trajectory. This, you know, okay, giving him a kid in a, in a, so to speak, it worked but didn't for me. I'm like, okay, you got to spend time with your daughter at the end of the film. That's kind of a cool nod. But I don't, there's, you know, I feel like there's more that the character could have done. Mm. And it, it just seemed lacking. Yeah, I think I agree entirely. It's it's almost a straight comedy, to be honest. It's, mm. it's I, 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 like you say, I was going to say exactly the same thing as you. That Ragnarok got it just about right for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always discussed that opening scene with Serta in, in Ragnarok and how I didn't like that because it's it was just played straight for laughs, made Serta look like an idiot and Thor looked like some comedy yeah. you know some stand-up comedian and that's not what i like and it's difficult because taika does this he likes effing about with tone hmm. you know i think back to jojo rabbit and the tones in that are you know because of the deep deep drama and seriousness of what's happening on one side and then the ridiculousness of the comedy that's played for it mm-hmm. but i can't tell you why but that works for me in that particular hmm film yeah i suppose what it, I want it, from it, it's, it's the more extreme i suppose because it is nazis we we, we have this idea yes. of that kind of brutality and stupidity yeah. of that era whereas yeah it's the dichotomy of what he's trying to present with this like i say it's he tries to touch on some serious stuff with with gore going on about the gods and how they're a bunch of arrogant pricks which we kind of knew from the first thor anyway he's changed as a character because humanity has changed him humanity hasn't changed Zeus or any of these other assholes um and so we get a good gore we get a better gore than we got a hella you know in ragnarok which is again the funny thing we got a better villain but uh, but you're gonna try and touch on the seriousness of gore you're touching on the seriousness of of jane foster situation but you play everything else for laughs yeah. and that didn't the, the the balance wasn't there i i could have done uh, honestly russell crowe just drove me nuts yeah couldn't that, stand that it. fucking sequence where he's, he's fucking spinning the fucking accent oh uh, christ what accent was that was like, it supposed to be greek it was some sort of dodgy italian it yeah. sounded like fucking jared leto no. in house of gucci yeah no, i mean it's off. fucking yeah. crap yeah i can't stand russell crowe as an individual in general he's done a few decent performances like but again it's like could could we stop putting a fucking spotlight on these so-called quote-unquote stars because guess what marvel wasn't built on these fucking stars your hollywood darlings we actually brought people in who were relatively unknown turn them into stars can we stop going back to the well of let's get these established fucking faces and make them no it's like we've suddenly got Fucking Harry Styles has signed up for five films for a hundred million. No way is he worth a hundred million for five films of Marvel. Fuck, Fuck off. I look at, and I'm just briefly touching it. Uh, you know, is is Ms. Marvel? How much I love that. Give that girl a hundred fucking million and let me go five series of that for fuck's sake. Yeah. You know. And I watched the first two yeah. episodes of that and I am absolutely loving it. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to at all. I was really dubious because I don't really know much about the character mm. and her comic book origin and what she is and blah, blah. But fuck me, that show's well made. Oh, it's, it's, it's perfect the, casting. It's the flair it's got as well. Yeah. It, 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 it's got that sort of... 
almost Edgar Wrightish at times mm. with the you know what you did in Scott Pilgrim with yeah. bits and pieces. And they were told to tone it down a little bit because they went. Uh, but you can also see where this is the thing. People are always like a bit critical of Kane Fay and, and and the stuff, but. He, he does kind of rein people in a little bit from going. Uh, you look at this, like I say, with Where Tyker. You just was think, he with Tyker? why, why won't you? T- you just kind of let him have free reign. It's like, well, you did successful on Ragnarok. We know it's going to sell a shitload of money because it's Thor. You know, it, it does feel to me like he's letting a few things slip. It's like same with Doctor Strange. Very good, but again, there's a couple of threads there that you could have really tightened up. So mm, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, like you say. I don't dislike the film but no. I, I, it was too much it went too far the other way for me it almost felt like they're not taking it seriously mm. and you know should you i don't know it's comic books but yeah you do you have to take it seriously otherwise there's no stakes there's no but drama to it like exactly you, but you, you can't get to the end of infinity war and then thor realizes and then, t- and then take his head off and then you see the beginning of Endgame, and he's a fat slob who's basically a broken person. Yeah. And okay, we see him. Oh, he's gone from dad bod to god bod, but he's not. He, he, there's no actual development there. It's like, but, but why did he do? Why does he suddenly feel like, oh, okay, yeah, get back in shape. Yeah, that's going to change things. It it just yeah. There's something. There was something missing. Like you say actually thinking about it, those other bits of uh, sort of the unnecessary cameos with yeah. the actors. Matt Damon, too, too many, Hemsworth, too many. Sam Neill, too many. You do it. What, you do it again. You do it sake. again. I didn't mind the. I didn't mind the first one because it was kind of like, okay, yeah, we're taking again, that it back. It was that small but, piece of drama with Loki yeah, sat there watching it as yeah. Odin, so it worked. Yeah. Of course, Loki would do that. He'd want to see his greatest hits played out. What one thing I will actually say, and I, I, I don't know where I heard this comment or read this comment, but I 100% actually agree. I really dislike the fact that Taika has taken Shakespearean type dog dialogue from Thor now. He just talks like a regular fucking American. No, one of the greatest things I loved about Branagh's first Thor, and I love it more than the second, is because they actually talk in the Shakespearean dialect. He, he understood that better than anybody. And they've just suddenly moved away from it. It's like, oh, it's becoming less and less. It's just and over it's the like, films, no. isn't it? And fucking Tessa Thompson talks like any old yes. normal person yes, exactly, in the world. Yes. Like, oh, Why gee, are you man, a Valkyrie? How are you different? Yeah, uh, oh, so, what? yeah, but, you know. This, the no, I totally is, agree. I, that's something I, yeah, I always, that was how Thor was different to me. He was, he did take things a bit more seriously. He was, you know, he spoke in that very particular yeah. way. And like you say, I, I get that, yeah, all right, if you're saying he's been with humans for 10 years or whatever, so his speech may have dropped and blah, blah, blah. Fine, okay, no, I'll go with that, I'll go with that. But it, you've gone too far. Mm. Like, he's he still... The way you say things would be different, potentially, in your accent, but I don't think your dialect would change that much. No. Uh, that quickly, anyway, because yeah. the words that you would use to describe things will still be the words that you would use to describe them in your head. It takes yeah. a long time to change those words. And if it turns around to be a case that they, you know, did, did a survey and it turns out people don't like the yolding. Yeah, exactly. I get that. I get that. But at the same time, that is also taking away from the originality yeah. of that character, that of a time then, of where is he is. Even Sif and people like that. It was lovely to see Sif. Yep. A completely throwaway part again. It's like if you're going to write him in, do it with do it with actual race and do something with the character, not a two-second scene and then a second scene at the end. Yep. And it's the you know 
like there are there are two catch up yeah. monologues in there yeah. from from court. Don't don't want them. Why? Don't want them. Is, uh, this is the fourth because you've fourth forgotten film. because Jane Foster just wasn't a thing for three films. Yeah, you know, for two films. Yeah. So they've now got oh shit. Now we need to do something with her. Yeah. Oh, so now we need to explain all the backstory. So oh, you they get that, the, and then you get the, like say, you get the backstory of... What a bunch <sighs> of bollocks. And again, it's it's Tyker playing Korg, so you're like, so you've just written yeah, yourself yeah, yeah. the funniest lines yeah. so that you get all the laughs. And, and like, I don't mind Korg as the comedy relief. Yeah. But you've put too, much. too many other people around him. He was in it too much it. again. I like Korg. Again, I like Tyker. I love Tyker. He's again, been in so many Let's good go things. back to Ragnarok. He was perfect in Ragnarok. Yeah. He was just enough in Ragnarok. Correct. It was like that, uh, what is it, the bit right at the end where something gets destroyed? I can't even remember what it is. Something gets destroyed. Right oh, the end, yeah, the, the like, whole planet. Yeah. Asgard like, gets destroyed. Oh, oh, well, maybe you won't be meant to. Yeah, he's like, oh, That's the funny. foundations are there. We can rebuild. Yeah. And then it blows yeah, up. Ah, oh, oh, maybe we can't. Yeah. That, that works. That, but exactly. yeah, it was. That's what I want called for. And then he's, he's, a, he's a rock person who gets smashed down and becomes a face. And oh, apparently we're immortal. We're faces. Oh, okay. But again, that? like you say, it was too light. Like, you're going about a guy who was butchering and killing gods, putting the fear of God into children, and then you've got a half a talking face. It, yeah, just, there was no again, line down the middle. Because again, it then leads to what I would have accepted as a funny sequence, where he's strapped on the back of Valkyrie, mm-hmm. and her hair is causing him a moustache. Yeah, yeah. That made me laugh the first time I saw it. Yeah. And I quite liked that bit. So if you'd just have left that bit... And like you say, it's everything else around it. That that was the fifteenth Korg one-liner joke, yeah. whatever that had yeah. been in the film in an hour and a half. And you're like, fucking hell, come on. Yeah. Anyway, we'll move away from Thor because yes. we will do a. I will. A, I, I tell you what, I will do is I, I don't think we should need to praise them these days because I think it should be par for the course. But I will praise its LGBTQ plus. Uh, sensibilities. Mm. Um, I quite like the the Korg's race. Are all men, mm. and they just hold link, hands, hold hands over, hold hands over. Love a bit. Okay, I love that. No. I yeah, think yeah, that's yeah, a great yeah. idea. And obviously Valkyrie being, uh, you know, being a lesbian, being gay, or whatever she might be. Maybe she's pan. I don't know. But you know, not being straight, as it were. You know, that's that's all very good. I, I, that, that's nice to see. I, I don't. I, I hate the fact that we still have to bring it up. Yeah, yeah. To yeah, say yeah, well yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. Because. It should just sort of be par for the course. But, you know, I, I did, particularly cool. I, I liked the backstory of his... That is one of the things I'll go with. I, yeah. I liked that little tale and him at the end with his little mate getting his getting his yeah. thing. And again, the moustache on the rock just looks funny. Yeah. Um, so, as I say, we'll, we'll do a Marvel catch-up. I will... As I mean, you've only watched two of Ms. Marvel, but I wholeheartedly love that series. I think it's one of the best that they've done so I'll probably finish Ms. Marvel by next weekend, um, to be honest. It, it truly is one of the best they've done so far for a number of reasons. And again, I can fill in some gaps in that knowledge because I've been reading the character since she was created. So that was kind of a, a good thing. Um, the only other one show that I'll, I'll uh, mention about I've been watching, which again, it was a Netflix show. We give Netflix plenty of love these days, uh, which was Umbrella Academy season oh, yeah. three, which again, I know that you've not uh, got around no, I'm not to that on one. Um, when talking about the LGBTQ L-B- area i'm L-B-G-T-Q fucking useless with acronyms plus, in general I there we go you would say i think um, you could say tia plus yeah but i'm not sure what they all are so i just say lg lgbtq plus because yeah, then the plus encapsulates everything so, so we all know about now 
Elliot Page as opposed to the uh, previous Ellen Page. Now, the transition which occurred, essentially she was making this series and it boggled my mind as to how I was going to go in having seen a female character for the last two seasons and, and how this is going to change. And what I can say is not only did it get done with grace, genuinely felt it genuinely felt in place with the story and I, I, I if you go back and listen to my previous uh, you know conversations about Umbrella Academy one of the things that I actually said that actually bummed me out a bit was Elliot Page's performance in the previous two seasons yes I quite literally take the opposite turn in this one it is apparent to me that this person has now found the happiness within themselves and it shows on screen in their performance. And there's a couple of dance numbers and stuff like that, the usual thing. And again, there's a point where they essentially get asked to be the best man of one of their brothers, to be that person's best man. And you see the glee in that person's face because they're recognized as a man. And genuinely, that, that changed a huge part of that character, yes. But my God, for the better, I would say, for the series. Really wholeheartedly uh, enjoyed this series. I thought it was the best of the three so far. It kind of gelled with the family. It each of the characters kind of went on the different things. But that is the one thing I, I, I would say coming away from that. You can genuinely see the happier uh, happiness in Elliot Page's pace when they're doing various scenes and you can see the change. That transition has made them a better actor as well, well that's good. I feel. Um, I suppose that makes sense. If you're unhappy with who you are and you're playing a female but you don't feel like a female. It must yeah. be quite difficult to play. Like, we'd struggle to yeah. act a female role, potentially, yeah. wouldn't we? Because you don't necessarily know what that's like. So, yeah, it makes sense to me that, that she would be happier, uh, you know, after... Uh, sorry, he would be happier after the transition. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's that thing of you are watching the show for quite a while and you suddenly see that change of in... In, in an actor. It, I don't think we've really... I mean, we've dealt with some change over the years, but nothing quite... Like that from going, okay, I was female, now I'm male. Um, and how how the showrunners dealt with that made it part of the story. It feels organic, and again, they all just embrace it. Like the family, uh, they kind of make half jokes about it, but in the in the way that they would in in the making of the series, and you get the general feeling that they fully embrace Elliot Page, and that it's one big family. And it, yeah, it's one of the things that I would take away from that and go, yeah, you can see the cast really have gelled together as a little family unit and sometimes when you watch a show and you can see that they're not gelling that they don't work together it detracts away from it but when you can see that they work well together it just adds that little bit more and it, it, it makes it a little bit more enjoyable for me anyway i always say you know characters and and how they interact is the majority of a show or a, of a movie for me oh, well, yeah, yeah, action that's, that's and everything else yeah, yeah. is that's that's no, how no, I no, you think back to any series it always starts with its freak of the week or whatever the main yeah, crux yeah. is but any good show by the time it gets to series two or whatever we're intermingling stories between our characters yeah for the main focus because the character and the development is there uh so yeah so that's kind of uh i've been watching a lot of other stuff as well but um yeah nothing of uh, nothing of massive no oh paper girls is the one thing that i've spotted one again that I've mentioned before, um, which is a Brian Vaughan uh, previous oh, graphic yeah, novel. Yeah. What is it? That has uh, that has dropped on uh, Amazon Prime. Um, I've I've 
I've, I've seen a lot of reviews kind of com doing some comparisons to Stranger Things. A couple of reviews have said, please don't compare this to Stranger Things, which I always find hilarious. Um, but yeah, it's set in that 80s period. I've read the graphic novel. It is zany as shit. I'm not sure how they're going to do this on screen. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to oh, watching nice. it. So yeah, that's one to keep your eye out for. Okay. Um, well, yeah. What, uh, no. I'm just having a look back through my notes just to see what I haven't discussed, but um, no, there's some. I think really, I've uh, well, I've watched the latest two South Park. Uh, I've watched one mini not movies, the second one, the yeah, Streaming yeah. Wars. Yeah, yeah. God, it made me piss myself when I realised what the Streaming Wars was going to be. Yeah. I was like, oh, you fucking geniuses! This is fucking brilliant. Um, yeah, I thought it was very funny. Very, very funny. Um, I watched it with a friend of ours, and uh, he, he wasn't kind of up to date. Mm -hmm. So he was, w when he saw Tegrity, Tegrity was like, oh, so he's still doing this? I was like, yeah, yeah, they've kept that going, and then Cartman living in a hot dog thing, and I was like, oh, yeah, there's a backstory to that. Why, yeah, Cartman's living there, yep. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was very funny. I very much enjoyed it. I like. I like the stuff they've been doing recently and bringing some of the uh, I don't know whether you've seen that bit if you've not seen two but they bring back like Matt Damon again and stuff oh okay okay, from, okay but that's from some of the referencing some of the series 25 episodes that mm -hmm. they did that featured some yeah I, I recall bits and bobs yeah it's, it's that's the thing sometimes like when South Park is on a season like it's, it's a bit easier because it's like episode after yeah. episode it yeah. can keep it all together but when they do these little specials yeah I forget, and then by the time I remember, I'm like, ah, that was like six months ago that I watched the first part, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so we'll, we'll get around to it, we'll get around to it. Yeah. Well, that'll do for now, then. Let's push on to uh, to some Star Trek. So I know both of us have been watching this. For those that aren't aware, Paramount Plus has launched in the UK now, um, and is carrying a new series of Star Trek called Strange New Worlds. Now, the team behind it are the same team as the ones who do Picard. And Discovery. And Discovery. Um, but they've gone for a very different flow for this season. So the plan all the way along was for a return to more of the old days uh, or the old way of storytelling that Star Trek would used in the past which generally speaking i know like you know if we think about ds9 and voyager and those sort of things there was there was an arc mm -hmm. over a season even you know voyager's entire run had an overarching point yeah. which was to get back home um ds9 i know had series arcs you know during the wars and things that would yeah. be picked up episode by episode yeah, yeah. but generally it was episode one-offs. It was an episode here, an episode there, covering something different, and you could watch episode five and you'd be none the wiser as to what you'd missed, yep. potentially. Now, obviously, you get it. There are... It's not to say there aren't threads that run through the whole season, because there are, because obviously the Captain Pike story is always there in the background. Um, and again, I hadn't seen Discovery 
So I'll pick, pick up, up that thread, don't worry. Point. I'll, I'll pick up that thread, don't worry. So, the, the, you know, the, the, it sort of flows out of that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah very much. So you set, set us off on the road then. Okay, so we basically get to uh, season two of Discovery. And uh, so season one, uh, you know, ends. I'm not going to say too much about potential spoilers for you for Discovery because I still think you should go back and watch I, it. I am starting the second season. I've watched the first good. couple of episodes. So. Okay, that's great. So we know about Lorca. We know what happened there. And we know that they basically come back from, uh, you know, dealing with all that crap and effectively need a new captain. So, bon voyage to Lorca. You're dead. Hello, Mr. Captain Christopher Pike of the USS Enterprise, which uh, is a ship which is currently... There's a distress call and is a bit damaged, so off they go to the sh- to the dockyard, and Pike becomes Discovery's captain for the interim. Um, so the second season of Discovery predominantly leads around uh, Burnham's search for her brother, Spock, which again is a shock to everyone. Like, oh, he had a he had a sister. Yes, again, it is it is referenced, and there is an explanation for it. And I do like that they have done that deliberately in order to assuage any concerns that people might have had about you know the canon and stuff like that but the majority of this second season is spent with burnham and spock trying to figure out um some stuff won't say too much but some stuff um and what is really really good is that you realize that pike is actually a likable captain he's this guy that we've heard about from the history of of trek we know he was in like one episode of the original Trek and then came back for uh, the Menagerie and stuff like that. So we know about that, but Anson Mount really does give this guy likable qualities mm. straight off the bat. Like he's one of he, he genuinely came in and I was like, oh, am I actually gonna like Pike or am I gonna be like, ah, oh, this is just a yeah? No, no, I like Pike. Oh, he's a he's he's he he is like even more human than kirk is if that makes sense like he when he's talking to spock and he uses humanisms and things like that he explains himself and he's always like oh it means this and he's always trying to educate spock and you really see that budding relationship between spock and pike which again brings up uh, a question of in the original series why spock basically broke ranks to go and help his old captain and it's never fully explained and we really begin to see the burgeoning relationship between them come the end of second season discovery discovery goes off on its voyage and then pike and spock return to the enterprise having dealt with this little experience between themselves and that is essentially where the beginning of stranger things picks up because (laughs) everything strange new world sorry strange new worlds uh so you put it on my brain so basically we pick up the beginning of the series which is now basically dealing with the fact that Pike, during his whole Discovery mission, um, has now learned of his impending paralysis in the future, um, and that he's basically going to be a half-robot, half-man thing. Um, And it's kind of putting the fear of God into him a little bit, which is understandable if you know that that's going to happen. The fuck? Yeah. Um, you know when you're going to die. You know the yeah. exact day you're going. Well, no, because he doesn't die. That's what's bad, isn't That's it? That's the thing. He, but it's, it's, is it a fate worse than death? Exactly. Almost. Yeah. It, it could be, couldn't it? He knows. But but that's the thing. It's not just that he knows what's coming. He experienced the event as well. So he's already lived through it once. Yeah. 
the next time he's going to live through it with repercussions, but it's made him acutely aware that there are a number of people that he tries to save, but can't necessarily save because some people will die in his crew. So it's him kind of resolving his, his ideas now as to what he's going to do. Can I change my fate? Yeah. Or is my fate set in stone? Yeah. Um, and it, again, it's great because Spock knowing a little bit more about this and his number one, Rebecca Remain, also knows a little bit about this. He's he's confided in them the revelation that he's had. And it's how he's trying to deal with it within himself. And each of them's kind of given him different perspectives. And that's, again, it shows as we go along the closeness that he has with several members of the crew. And it's one of the best elements of uh, of this series i find like the the little breakfast or the dinners and yeah. things the food he's yeah, he, yeah he, he's that captain isn't he because yeah. like say when you get into the series it's always oh come in and he's always got a, a, a apron on or a yeah. tea towel on his arm or whatever and he's always cooking something yeah i love that yeah, yeah. it's really nice um, so yeah, so we, we basically pick up uh, the series, and uh, straight off the bat, we're already like, oh yeah, your uh, your first officer's been uh, been kidnapped. So we're already on a, I believe it's a prime directive mission, um, and it's not called the prime directive because this is the mission that creates the prime directive. I mean, again, like if you're going to go, let's go with a Star Trek episode, and one of the common things that we've heard about throughout the entirety of Star Trek franchises, the Prime Directive don't get involved in a species that hasn't developed technologically to the point where we should really be saying hello to them. They need to develop at their own pace. And that kind of goes out the window with this one. This essentially brings about the Prime Directive that, yeah, we can't do this. After this, we can't do it again. Yeah, it's but called General Order 1, isn't it? General the Order, there the you go, yes. And by the end of it, they've doubled down on it and said, no, 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 this is the Prime Directive. This is serious um but and yeah, yeah that first basically episode. taking liberties with the idea oh, okay well in general order one well it's kind of a loose rule yeah, isn't exactly. it it's it's not set in stone kind of a yeah exactly yeah um yeah that first episode's really nice it gives us a good look into the the, the cast it's a good introduction to everyone and pike is you know, starts the episode as unsure as to whether he's going to continue or not, yeah. whether he wants to, whether he's just going to sit at home and wait to die. Um, and obviously, by the end of the episode, he's like, yep, okay, I'm going to commit to this. Let's do our five-year mission. Let's go and seek out new worlds. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, I thought it was really good. And again, I look at the, the credits for this, and it's insane, because it's directed by Akiva Goldsman and written by Akiva Goldsman. Mm-hmm. And Keith Goldsman wrote some of the worst Picard episodes I've ever seen. It I believe Keith yeah. Goldsman wrote Batman and Robin. It's it's weird at times how they can get some things massively wrong, and then you know. But it, the the thing is, is that I think we we, we can always take away from uh, you know when it's all written by, directed by, and all this kind yeah. of stuff. I think we can take that with a pinch of salt now because having watched like. The sunny, yeah, it's right. Like that they very much exactly. It's right. Yeah, somebody will say, yeah, I wrote it, but it was a collaborative effort. They just kind of took the run with it. So you can kind of see, yeah, it's a collaborative effort. And yeah, I imagine that some of the actual writers in the room who are probably Trek aficionados and know their shit, they're not going to see their name written in full because it just isn't. That's not how it works. Um, you got to play the game. 
I tell you what, you've just reminded me of something. I apologise that I should have mentioned in the news. I was very excited to hear. Mm. And uh, you've just reminded me by mentioning the Always Sunny podcast. Another great series from the past has started a retrospective looking back over every episode, all 217 of them, over 10 series. Michael Rosenbaum and Tom Welling. Oh, Jesus Christ. Why? Talkville. Why the Talkville. fuck would you want to go through that again? Let's spend the next 10 years rewatching the shit that we've spent the last 20 years trying to forget that you watched in the first place. Fuck off. I tried to watch the first episode of it for them, because it's just started recently. They're only about two episodes in. I tried to watch the first episode, and I was like, oh, my God. Because I, I love Michael Rosenbaum. His Inside he's, yeah, of You podcast are yeah. really interesting. He's an entertaining guy. Uh, he's, yeah. he's, he's one with Nathan Fillion was fascinating. Uh, you know, depending on the guest, I think he's, mm. he's brilliant. Tom, Tom Welling doesn't... He hasn't actually got that much of a personality, I'm afraid. No, no. Otherwise, he's not he, that entertaining. he would have actually done something yeah. after Smallville, but he just kind of went, oh, I'm shoehorned in this box yeah, and I'm going to stay in this box and just keep my royalty checks. And I'll hope that multiverse stuff comes around at some point and they want me back to do that. And then I'm going to turn around and say, I'm not Superman anymore, I'm just Clark Kent. That was a clever thing. But yes, I just thought that was hilarious. That of all the series, of all the fucking shows, they've decided to start a retrospective. When when your main cast ends up becoming drug dealers in prison and sex cult leaders, you know it's not the best series to really go back. Oh, are we going to talk about that fun time that we should? Oh, no, we can't talk about that person because they're in prison. Oh, no, we can't talk about that person because they, you know, branded a bunch of people with sex cult slave brands and shit yeah you can't really go no, i find it hard why, to believe that's why i always thought it might be Jesus. interesting to watch because like how much are they going to have to leave out do you remember when oh no yep, 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 exactly yeah, like exactly you say, yeah really. you start a story and then go oh, no, oh shit, alison was, was in lovely movie. and we can't talk about her being a sex cultist yeah. um yeah okay but yeah anyway um so sorry i meant to mention because <laughs> it fucking made me piss my pants um so anyway back to star trek so yeah, that first episode is just a, a good scene setter. Mm-hmm. It's it's getting everyone where they need to be after discovery, yep. setting him up, and then showing us the way forwards. We also get to meet Tapring, who again we've heard of in yep. the past. We've never met in the past, which is always good. Like Spock's fiance that he never ends up marrying and stuff. Um, so again, shining a spotlight on that aspect of Spock because while we dealt with. Some parts of him in Discovery, again, really getting into some of the childhood stuff with Spock and why he is a little bit more different, even more so. You know, there's those eccentricities and you can see part of his humanity has come from his relationship with Burnham and stuff as well, which, again, was a really cool thing about second season and that you can tell because he, I think he said he's one of the things that he and uh, and Pike say towards the either beginning or the end of this episode and they he just like... I miss her, you know, and he acknowledges that. He can't talk about her, but he misses her. And that's one of the things, it's like, we're not going to touch on this often, but yeah, he does miss his sister. That's one of the cool things I did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, episode two is Children of the Comet. And we get introduced to Uhura. Indeed. Who in this universe is still not in a relationship with Spock. Which I was like, okay, that's cool. I'm not even going to go down that. But yeah, obviously you just think of the Star Trek films where they 
put Stock and Uhura, Spock and Uhura together, and you're like, there's no, absolutely no sexual chemistry with them at all in this series. <laughs> Um, between him and uh, no, it's Nurse Chapel. Yeah. Nurse Chapel, thank you. That, yeah. that relationship is fantastic, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I feel so sorry for Nurse Chapel. I mean, yeah. she's a beautiful, beautiful woman, anyway. Yeah. But I, I just, yeah, the, the fact that she's like, I like you because you're straightforward. You talk, you're honest. Yeah. You know, I know where I stand with you because you don't lie. Yeah. You don't cheat. You don't. You know, I, I just bless her. Yeah. And that's that's later in the series, yeah, to yeah, be yeah, fair, yeah. after it develops. But um, and again, it's interesting that they've gone. Whoever is behind this in the end has has done their homework because mm-hmm. that was an original yeah. series flirtation sort yeah. of thing in like one or two episodes or something. Yeah, it's it's noticeable as, as the casual viewer, you would notice a bit. And she's a bit like, oh, she's a bit flirtatious, and he just rebuffs it because it's Spock, and you're just like, ah, she's just. But now you see the underlying thing of that, that, yeah, they've had a close relationship for a while. Who's to say behind the scenes? Yeah, exactly. You never know. But yeah, this one, uh, like you say, focuses on Ahura, and they get sent down, and it reminded me of um, Sphere, Mm. the old movie Sphere, where they find the big sphere, and they're not sure how to get into it, and what Mm -hmm. to do with it, and that sort of thing. Um, And uh, it turns out to be music notes doesn't it or something but it's like a language yeah and she has to learn the language to do it and yeah it's just the beginning where they're like oh how many languages do you speak and she's like oh x amount and they're all like what and she's like well like 35 of them are from my own country because there's 35 different regions and we all speak different dialects so that's 35 add a couple of hundred you know and it's just she just says it so casually and it's like yeah they they're giving more gravitas to Uhura than we ever see in the, you know, original series, which is understandable because it was a different era then. So to see her go through some of this and to see her learning is great. It's it's what I like as well is I feel they've the start of her arc has a little bit of um, almost imposter syndrome that she's yeah. experiencing. Yes, you know? yes. She's not sure she belongs. Yeah, like you say, when she stands in front of the rest of her crew and says, I can speak X amount of languages, they're all like, whoa, what the fuck? We're glad yeah. you're here with us. Yeah. Wow, awesome. Yeah. And she doesn't, but but she doesn't feel that she's that good, you know? Even by and the end like of the said, episode. It, it, exactly. And it takes, that is one of the sort of series arcs that we see from her is her development through these episodes and when we see her, because there's an episode uh, in a bit where well, she rotates, doesn't she? Through yeah, the whole she starts season. rotating through the She system. rotates yeah, yeah. through the different things. So there's the episode where she's with Hema uh, in engineering, which we'll get to, and that fleshes her character out a bit yeah. more and her motivations and what she wants to do. I think that they, yeah, they made her a really, really relatable character. Yeah. Um, because we've all been that person starting a new job, mm. not quite sure where you fit, not quite sure how good you are compared to the people around you. You you know, you knew where you stood in your previous role. Yeah. But <coughs> she doesn't have the self confidence to just kind of against the other people. Do things. Like they they're kind of encouraging her. And by the end she's just kinda of like No, I'm doing this. And it's just like she she finally get gets that confidence in herself. Basically after not a telling off, but kind of words from Spock to basically kind of encourage her, but in a Spock logical way, yeah. which works because it does. Because when you talk logic to people, sometimes it takes a minute, but it gets there in the end. It usually does, yeah. Yeah. Depends whether 
what you're talking about, obviously. Yeah, that's true. Um, but again, so like you say, it's it's that thing if she gets to the end of the episode, she's still questioning her place within Starfleet. But this is, again, one of these great initial episodes for this run to... For the casual view who's not really watched too much Star Trek and just like, eh, is this a new show? I could pick it up. <coughs> and it is saying that we're all slightly weird, different, damaged people. We're all here for a reason. We all want to better ourselves and do X, Y, and Z. And it's Pike kind of telling her that. And it's like, yeah, we're all here for a common purpose. You've got just as right as much right as anybody else to be here. And those are the little things. Again, you don't, you don't see this in other shows where somebody's like, no, you are good. You do deserve to be here. It's always shows questioning, oh, should I be here or not? I'm basically being told, you don't deserve to be here. You've got to earn it. And within one episode, he's like, no, you deserve to be here. That's such a refreshing thing. Well, yeah, because it's that thing of if if you didn't deserve to be here, you wouldn't. Quite yeah. frankly, there are yeah. tons of people who would want to be on this ship. Yeah, it's the Enterprise. He's asked for you. Exactly. He's asked for you for a reason, yeah. you know? And uh, Yeah, so that was, yeah. Um, and again, it's that age-old... Uh, I love with these kind of things. It's a comet going through space. It turns out there was like a, a history that they had to intersect for it to continue. And all this kind of stuff. And then you've got Spock going, that's not logical. And I just love that kind of like, he doesn't understand that, oh, you know, fate as it might be is supposed to happen. Um, which is funny because by the end of this one, again, it's it's Pike dwelling on his own fate. And that's, again, the subject of the episode is fate. And yeah. it Who's makes fate, people question fate, it. Making your own fate. Yeah. 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 And again, like you say, that's almost a theme for the entire series is the idea of fate and destiny and predestination and things. Um, third episode is Ghosts of Illyria. Yeah. So these are genetically modified or genetically engineered people. Yeah. Um. And they go down on a way team. Uh, what's this? So oh, it's a virus where they get addicted yeah. to light, isn't it? And they yeah. have to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it reveals that, number one, is actually an Illyrian. Exactly. Um, um, again, one of the other things we've not addressed with, with respect to the cast is we have a character who is a descendant of Karnunian Singh. Yes, of course. Um who, again, is very brash and very tough person, evidently because she's had to battle the fact that her name is Noonien Singh. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of a well-known thing. He was a genocidal bastard who, you know, tried to take over the world and all that shit. And, oh, wait, he'll come back in the future. I'd love to know what yeah, that we're kind still of, you know... We're, we're, we're way ahead. Wrath of Khan. We're yeah, we're way ahead. Turning up in the initial yeah. series. Yeah, we're way, way behind yeah. that. So yeah. yeah, so but just again, the interesting idea of bringing a character with that kind of checkered history, and then you've got number one, who's an Illyrian, who basically half the crew know uh, and don't really give a shit because they're like, she's a good person. It's not, you know, not all of them are crazy, you know, lunatics. Um, but yeah, this is one of the, you know, the, I, I think back to some of the, like you said about the Next Gen and the Voyager episodes where, you know, there's the transporter accident and all that kind of, yeah. this this very much felt in feel of that yeah, yeah. kind of, of uh, episode. Yes. Um, the sci-fi. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know. yeah, you had Spock and Doodar are trapped on the planet, aren't they? Thinking Spock they're going to be attacked. Yeah. 
And, you know, that was one of the things I thought about this episode is when it, um, you know, when they're being attacked by all the lights and stuff, I was like, I bet that's the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we know because we've seen, because we've seen Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. But it doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. it does that, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, you're going the way I think you're going. Yeah. Tell me the story. Okay, that's fine. Your, your initial, uh, you know, if, if you were in that situation, your initial thing is defense. I'm going to defend myself against these things that yeah. seem to be kind of trying to kill me. And as the story unravels, like you say, we learn... Nothing is ever what it seems. Never is in Star Trek, but that's the great thing about it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And by the end of this episode, we discover that um, the Doctor, Dr. Mbenga, is keeping his daughter in stasis uh, until he can find a cure for her rare disease. Yeah. Which, I I really like that story. Uh, When it comes in, because that that episode, you're like, oh... Because it's like Hemmer he's, discovers he's hiding, something's going yeah, on, and you're he's like, hiding oh, something. Crap, and you're like, Benga's oh, no. a baddie. I liked you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, was, and like, then, I keep looking yeah. at his name, trying to pronounce it. Babs Olusanmokun. Uh, yeah. I apologise for butchering that. I'm just. I've, call I've him seen Babs him in. Uh, I have seen him in several sense. things before. If you remember, he was in the Defender series. Yes. Yeah, um, I thought I recognised yeah. him. Yeah, he's been in a few. That was because he's the got initial a very distinctive voice. Yeah. So deep and guttural. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a great voice. Yeah, and like you say, we as each of these kind of episodes progresses, I was like, ah, oh, I don't know where am I going to like this crew, and I really like them. I mean, I mean, this is a guy who's on the ship exploring the far reaches of space in order to cure his sick daughter, who he's keeping in the transporter beam. I mean, shit, how more sci-fi can you get yeah. than that? Yeah, I'm keeping her in stasis on a in the transporter loop. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, again, we know the history of Trek. We know that these things are possible, but can also fail and all that. So, again, just the risk of doing it and, yeah, just owning up to it is just, yeah, very important. And, again, it's not, it shows that, number one, she comes in and she's not, she doesn't reprimand him. She's like, no, I've put safety in in place so that that will never happen again. You'll never run the risk of losing your daughter. And he's like, wow, thanks. And it's just... She's the first officer of the fucking ship. She's looking out for the crew. Doesn't matter. And again, these are the things that really start to really gel with the series. Yeah, absolutely. There's no, there's no character that I dislike. No. None of the crew I dislike. I couldn't say the same in all of the Trek series. There's always like one character. Yeah, there's I'm a always bit someone like, who you're like, oh, uh, fucking hell. If it's yeah. an episode around that person, couldn't give a fuck. The worst one is Hemmer. I fucking loved that engineer. Mm-hmm. I thought he was fucking amazing. We'll get there. We'll get there. Love him. Yeah. Um, so, okay, next one is <laughs> Memento Mori, which is our sort of way into uh, Lan Noonien Singh, yeah. uh, played by Christina Chong, who I think is English. I'm just going to look that up. Because uh, obviously she does she a very, does good, a English very good English accent, if she's not. Yeah. But I would say she's yeah born in Enfield, North London. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, what yeah, I would have yeah. said. Um, but I don't know that she's done a huge amount before. No, she's done bits and pieces. Yeah, but I mean, but that's the thing. It's not a massive amount, so it's quite nice to, to see her. Oh. How did you not? I mean, she was in Line of Duty. Fucking you hell, didn't she was in Line of Duty. Her. Wow, and you fucking love your Line of Duty. Wow. Jesus, yeah, she's a <laughs> police officer from Line of Duty. And she was in the most recent. I mean, look, she was in it in 2014. Give me a break. But she actually, was in no, 2021. She, yeah, she returned in 2021. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, she'd gone off and done Star Trek. Oh, actually, and they she's went, done oh, yeah. quite a lot of stuff. Look, oh, fuck me, she was in 24 as well. Oh yeah, but that was like the twenty-four that nobody watched. Oh, I watched it. Yeah, but anyway, so she's been about. She's been about. She's been about for a minute. She's, she's really she's, good. She's though. been a bit. I, I love. Yeah, she is good. I, I love the actress. She uh, because she's uh, got that. 
She reminds me, and I, I, I hate the comparison because it is one sci-fi show to another, um, but kind of reminds me of uh, of, of Cara G, uh, drummer from. Thank you. And I thought Band. the same. Yeah, yeah, no. I was like, I was a bit like, I don't want to say that she's very similar, but I was like, shit, you do remind me of drummer. Um, and I think it's even the way the character is. It's a, it, it's that similar sort of a heavy eyeline exterior. Heavy eyeline. Yeah, I don't even need to make that point <laughs> That's of view, it. But, you know, the, the character is very hard exterior, yeah, yeah, soft yeah. interior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's that sort of dichotomy between them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think she's fantastic. And this yeah, one yeah. where we, they end up in a Gorn trap. I mean, this one was a bit, was this, is this the one I'm thinking of? Because there is another Gorn one later on, but there's one of them that, that really gave me sort of alien... Sort of predator vibes, almost. Possibly this one because the sh- the going parent- around the ship and there's yeah. the monsters. Oh no 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 no! Monsters. That's a little bit later. That's yeah, it's a the later, later one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, the yeah. first one we encounter them. Yeah, yeah but again, the like ships ships systems go down. They're having to resort to like simple medicine because yeah. they can't do what they want to do. Oh yeah, they, they can't use the up. they can't use yeah. Um, oh, what's that? Uno, don't they? Yeah, Rebecca Romain. Yeah, they stitch her up because they can't. They can't suit. They can't use a, yeah. a, a spray or any yeah. of the, any of their equipment. And they're like, yeah, have to go back to like twenty first century fucking techniques. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was funny because again, it's like they still know their medicine. You know, you know, it's not just all you wave a fucking tricorder and it tells you the answer and exactly what. No, no, they've still got to be medical trained. Yeah, you know, so yeah. But yeah, that one was a really good one because we get the we get the backstory of Noonien and her. Or some of the backstory, because I think again it expands further in the second Gorn episode later on, doesn't it? It does, it yeah. I mean, this further. one is very much, uh, you know, this playing possum. Yeah. Uh, then, then trying not to basically get angered by the Gorn and attacked by them, so they effectively mask themselves and, and pretend as though they've been destroyed, but they haven't, just to sneak away because they're like. This is not a fight we can win at the moment, especially with her freaking the fuck out to begin with. Again, her initial reaction is understandable. She's, you know, gone through the Gorn breeding plans and all this fucking stuff. And it's not until, like you say, towards the end of the series, we're like, oh, okay, that's what happens. Oh, I don't want that to happen to me. No. No, I get it. It's like uh, the, the Reav- is it the Reavers back in from Firefly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh, you, you mentioned their name and everyone shits their pants like, I don't want those fucking things on my ship. Kind of like the Gorn. I wouldn't want that fucker on my ship. You know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. But yeah, it's a good one. It, um, so they, they get themselves out of the trouble and um, they run away with their tails between their legs. But they may come back another time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spock and Mark. Ugh. Wow. So fun. This one, I, like when it started, and so it, it's basically Freaky Friday. Isn't yeah. It? Spock and his wife swap bodies it's a body he's, swap he's fiance they're not they're married. sorry sorry him and his fiance swap bodies and I, I, I it started and i was like oh man it's, it's you know straight it away in that trek way doesn't it it's like oh, oh we're your all life is so hard my life yeah. is you know my life is so hard your life is so easy yeah. no my life is so hard. Yeah. your and it's just Oh, we're going there. Yeah, but it starts in that Trek way of, of the ship is undergoing maintenance. You're like, oh, here we go. Yeah, here's our filler episode. This one will be boring, and that was genuinely what I thought. And then it's the first sequence where they swap, and there's a little interaction. I was like, oh fuck, no, yeah. they're going to do this, and they're going to do it really well because Ethan Peck is fucking brilliant playing yeah. to bring, and Gia Sandow, Sandu, 
maybe, is fantastic at playing Spark. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're, they're, they're just really good together. It is like they bounce you, off each other really nicely. When you turn around to somebody and just go, oh, okay, you're going to do a body swap and you're going to become Spock. She's like, fuck yeah, I get to be Spock today. Exactly. Like, you know, how yeah. many people are just like, oh, that is illogical. Yeah. And just fuck around doing that. She's like, yeah, I got to be Spock for yeah. the day. Um, and then, like and you say, it then puts them in each other's situations yeah. so that you that they get to understand where each other's coming from which is of course you know a classic way of doing it yeah and again do i care that it's a classic way of doing it do i care that i've seen it before no. fuck no uh, because if you give me that the that idea yeah but you give me likable characters you give me people to play off i i've You've made it interesting for me again. You you reinvented the wheel for me. Yeah, it's the little things, like you say, uh, the the interactions. As soon as they switch, that they suddenly become aware of how important the other's life is. Yeah. Like Spock, you know, yeah, okay, I'm a science officer on this ship, and I'm constantly in demand, and this, that, and the other. But I'm not dealing with the, I wouldn't say emotional impact because they they're you know they reduce their emotions with logic, etc. But She's dealing with stuff that he doesn't really have any comprehension over. You know, prisoners and all the kind of issues and shit that goes on there. He doesn't deal with that. He deals with the day-to-day -day running of the ship. And he's constantly in demand. He's constantly running air, uh, everywhere. And Topring is always like, why the fuck are you always all over the place? Mm. Spends a day in the life of Spock and suddenly like, oh my god, I didn't realise how, how much they, they rely on you. Yeah, um, how, imp how important he is to the functioning of everything. That's it. It's not, you know, they suddenly become aware of how important they actually are and it's no longer a case of, okay, maybe this is a relationship we could be bothered with. They now make the concerted effort of saying, no, I want this relationship to work because I've been in your shoes and I can see the kind of person you are and you are the kind of person I want to be with. You're not. So all of that, uh, but... I mean, the, the best stuff probably comes with, like, the interactions with Nurse Chapel. Because it's just fucking hilarious. Like, she's talking to Spock into Pring's body, and she's just like... You can see, again, the, con the confliction within her. She's like, oh, I'm trying to give my friend good advice, but I do have feelings for him. And yeah. But it doesn't detract away from the advice that she gives, so there's all that kind of... I feel so sorry for her. So, so sorry for Nurse Chapel. Because, like you say, she's just there. Yeah. Um, oh, God, the next one. Right, so episode six is Lift Us Where Suffering Cannot Reach. Oh, actually, uh, just on that Spock and Mark, I wonder whether that is a reference, the episode title is a reference to a famous Looney Tune cartoon. There was one called Duck Amuck, where Bugs Bunny was drawing the episode, it turned out, for Daffy Duck. So Daffy Duck was put in all these stupid situations and the stuff would get rewritten behind him. So he'd be skiing one second, then he'd be in the middle of a field because mm -hmm. the artist had drawn a field behind him. And it's a really famous episode of the uh, of Looney Tunes and it turns out that Bugs Bunny is the artist. You know what would have been good is if you'd found out the answer before you'd to raise the question. It literally just popped into my head <laughs> as I saw the episode title. I was like, I wonder whether that's a reference. He doesn't do all of his prep in advance. No, he no. does a lot. Like he has a, he has a book, he has sheets of paper. Mm. I have my brain, which functions only partially. I've just printed off the wiki for the episode, okay, yeah, so that I've got yeah, some well, I, I just look. I just keep. That's it. You got it on your yeah, phone. It's, it's fine. fine. Um, yeah, this one is harsh as fuck because this is the one where they sacrifice kids, isn't it? Yeah, this is with the yeah. first servants and all that shite. And yeah, this is probably I will uh, go 
and say this is probably the least enjoyable one that I found the whole series. I agree. There is always going to be one or two episodes which don't gel with you. And that was the thing. This is the one where I was actually watching it. I was going, ah, shit, are we going to start sliding off this curve now? And then I think we get to the following weeks and I'm like, no, no, that curve. Yeah, we've come back again. Yeah, we, yeah. so... Yeah, this one didn't engage with me fully. Um, as you say, it's when they're doing this whole sacrificing of children, and it, you can tell straight away that there's something weird about this whole thing. You've got somebody trying to protect this child, somebody trying to use this child, and by the end you're like, fuck me, your society is just a bit twisted, isn't it? But at the same time, it's it, it's weird because you look at it and you've got somebody like Spock who would turn around and go, yeah, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few mm -hmm. or the one. You're sacrificing one life for millions potentially here. Yeah. Is it worth the risk? It's, it's no, that's the thing. It's not for Pike or any of the crew to say because again, crime directive yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, fucking humanity's history is littered with abominations and destruction. You just think. I imagine it's still going to continue when we go out into the stars. We're going to see shit that we don't really want to see, but that's just the way it is. And yeah, this is one of those uncomfortable episodes, I suppose, is the best yeah. way to say Yeah, it. I agree, because like you say, they do, they, 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 they go through with it. They, 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 you know, they, they don't change what's happening on that planet. No, that's I the mean, thing. It's, that's the bit. The, the, the ultimate Trekism would be, no, we've twisted their minds. We've managed to help them with some technological advancement. Yay! No, this is just the way that things are. It, it's not always going to be we win the day. And again, one of the worst episode of the season, but also one of those refreshing ones to go. Yeah, we are gonna we are gonna show negative impact. Like, not everything is going to be hunky dory and rosy come the end. It just isn't, as we know later on in the series as well. Yeah. Uh, so episode seven. Oh, no, uh, this is the end of... Yes, this episode as well. Because it, it finished off in Benga's story. This is the one where his daughter at the end... No. Is it not? No, not this one. Oh, okay. No, no, that's the holodeck. Uh, not the holodeck, the... Um, the change of, of scenery and stuff like that. That's that episode. It's not this episode. It, it, don't get me wrong, Mbenga is very, very much... Yeah, impact from this. for it, isn't it? He's, yeah, he because uh, they might have a treatment. For yeah, it. so he he's basically talking to the doctor who was trying to essentially save the child and didn't want him to be sacrificed. And he's talking to him, and he's like, "I shouldn't be giving you the technology, or I, you know, I can't give you the technology, but we can talk, and I can give you some hints." He can't give him what he wants, but he can help him. Um, and yeah, and Benga just. Again, it's the thing of you always see that, that side of a doctor, uh, you know, that they love their patients and they will do everything for their patients. And yeah, he's just appalled by the fact that this has occurred and he couldn't, the kid had everything going for him. He had every possible immunity. He was never going to die and they fucking sacrificed him anyway. And he, he just can't understand that. Yeah, which is, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, episode seven is the serene squall. Mm -hmm. Which is like the pirate episode, isn't it? Yes. Which, which is on the one hand really, like it's really serious. It's funny. It's, it's almost like what we were saying earlier in the the episode, talking about Thor. There's almost a very serious A plot and then a comedy B plot yeah. by the end of it because the, Pike and the rest of them on the pirate's yeah. ship, and Pike using his culinary skills yeah. 
to win them over and to plant seeds of rebellion and mutiny on the crew to get them to turn, yet on the Enterprise, you've got Spock's life in danger. Yeah. And he's being tricked. Yeah. Um, because the person in question understands Vulcans. That's, yep. that's the thing. It's not a case that, yeah, she is manipulating him. And he's so fucking apparent very, very quickly. You're like... I mean, she very unique actress, I thought, as yeah, well. Yeah. I was like, appearance-wise, and I was a bit like, shit, they're giving you a very unique dress style. A little bit more risque than, than I would have thought for a Trek. Um, and I'm talking, you know, we've seen Seven of Nine, for shit's sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and um, she, she just manipulates the shit out of him. And it is that funny thing of, yeah, on one hand, you've got Pike, who's manipulating the other crew to get what he wants. And on the other side, she's been manipulating Spock to get what she wants. Yeah. Um, and again, it brings it back round to Spock and to Pring um, and the relationship that they have and the things that they develop there. Mm. It's, it's, it's an interesting episode, but it is very much a, a filler one that I found. It didn't, it didn't yes, it doesn't push advance too much, much it, too no, far, yeah. does it? Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, and like I say, but the, you know, part of that I like in this series, that's what I like about it, is that it doesn't always feel like it's got to push an overarching narrative in every episode. No, yes. It yeah. can just give us something give us an interesting or fun story yeah and continue on with i'm just trying to look for the name of that actress um, i can't find a character it's angel isn't it it is yeah 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 um but it's the uh, i think the the very interesting thing is actually the end again where the, are they going to pick up the thread of this of suddenly mentioning spock's brother cyborg yeah I, um, I would have thought so. I mean, then why would you say it otherwise? Well, I know, but it's like, okay, well, we know that's the point, isn't it? Angel has taken over the Enterprise, and she's going to kill Spock unless they release, unless Dupring releases, releases Cyborg, someone or someone who we, who then, we yeah. uh, by the end of the episode, we're sort of told is Cyborg, aren't yeah. we? But um, so, I mean, I could see that they could do a sort of part of the story because that's the thing. At this point, Cyborg is locked up when we meet him. Um, you know, in the in the far future of the worst Star Trek film ever made, um, which, which one's that? it's which the one's a it's the it's, it's oh god the final frontier. Oh, the one where they meet God. Yeah, Shakari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yes. because they wanted Sean Connery to be the God, and they went, yeah, let's call him Shakari. Is Sean Connery God. No, that's. Did you not know this story? There you go. A little bit of Trek history for you. Okay, go on. The original person or the actor that they wanted Cybok to be played by was Sean Connery. Oh, okay. Sean Connery said, fuck off. <laughs> so they went, okay, we'll just call the god Shakari Sean Connery. Oh, Shakari, okay. That's where Shakari comes from. Wow, Sean Connery. never knew that. There you go. Wow. There you go. A little bit of, little bit of track history for yeah, you. I can't find this actress. Ah, no, she's not there. But anyway, yeah, it's so it's uh, yeah, it's an interesting one because again, we're touching on uh, the history of elements of characters and Trek, which we never fully developed in the original series and kind of haven't subsequently since. And Cybok is an interesting character because you don't know that much about him other than what happens in Final Frontier, and he has a very fractious relationship with Spock. You could also see a couple of things in a second, third season where they do do a couple of episodes where the brothers interact and it makes Spock question things, but then reinforces his logic. It could do a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I'm not object to the idea of Cyborg coming in. No, no, no. 
Absolutely not. It, 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 seeing sometimes that two sides of the same coin thing is is an interesting dynamic to see. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think back to you know, think back to law data. Yes. You know those sort of where they bashed heads and stuff, and you had the the, the two sides of the same coin, just different ways. Yeah, it it does. It did always make me laugh when they kind of forgot about law um as they i think it was in nemesis and stuff yes B4 they cut, yeah, yeah and they were like they found and they were yeah like, and you were like oh yeah there's another one yeah there was law yeah like the the body you've still got because you've still got it hidden away because you turned him off yeah well, never mind um so yes the next one is the uh, elysian kingdom yes which is the um very very entertaining uh and very sad. Uh, uh, I, this is one that I thought when you got to the end, you would very much be more so that because you have a daughter. Yeah, I know. So it, it oh, yeah, would yeah. have given you the feels. Oh, yeah, yeah. It did give me the feels at the end of this one. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yes, it's almost like our holodeck episode, isn't yeah. it? But yeah. we haven't got a holodeck, I guess, at the minute. So no. we can't do holodeck episodes. No. So, yeah, they sort of turn the... Because he's reading... Mbenga's reading his daughter a book. I can't remember what the book's called now. And it isn't in my notes. But he's reading her a book over and over about a king. Or he's reading it to her in the little bits, doesn't he? When mm -hmm. he brings her out for 20 minutes or whatever. Yeah. He reads his story to her and then puts her away again. But that book is playing out um, in in the on the ship with him as the king. Um, but yeah. there's only... Is it only him and Hema? Yeah, yeah him and him are the only ones who don't weird, yeah. understand, uh, or, or are the only ones that are aware that things are, uh, you know, mm -hmm. different. Um, and yeah, they, it's because they've gone into this nebula, and it turns out the nebula has an actual consciousness, consciousness yeah. is sentient. Um, so yeah, 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 it turns out that the the, the sentient nebula had found um, Mbenga's daughter Rukia, and had detected her loneliness. Yes. So created this fantasy to entertain her. I love that. I just, I love the fact that they're like, it's not that they found a, you know, a life form who was trapped away or something like that. It can sense the loneliness. Yeah. Fucking hell. You know, that, just, just that alone, I was like, well, okay. Yeah. Now, yeah, okay. Yeah, you're, you're digging somewhere, which is good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it also cures her disease. But, only while she's within the nebula. Yeah. So of course, yes, that the nebula says, "Well, I can, I can keep her alive." Yeah. But she's going to be converted into pure energy, essentially, and be part of this nebula. And Mbenga then has to decide whether he wants to let his daughter go but live, mm -hmm. or whether to keep her with him for the possibility that he may exactly. save her in the future, which is. Which would be the selfish choice, yeah, in that scenario, yeah. And it, but it's, yeah, I could never imagine making that sort of decision. It's no, insane. it's yeah, it's uh, it, it, it's the impossible decision that only a pair. Again, there are certain episodes that we've discussed in the past where I know that the impact is always going to be more for you. You understand? You have a child. You have two children. Um, and so you're going to understand that impact, and that's it. When I when I'm getting the feels in in a city, oh my god, I can imagine how you know it's uh, it, it is with that and. Again, um, he's, his performance as this doting father has always been great throughout the series. Like Every time he brings her out, and you can see that kind of sorrowful look when he has to put her back in yeah. to the transporter because 
he wants to save. He, he he cherishes every moment that he is with her. Absolutely cherishes every moment. But he every time he puts her back, it's like he doesn't know when the next the time next time is is the yeah, next time yeah, going to be the last time. So absolutely. he's getting to this point now within the series where he is beginning to question that. And like you say, he he realizes she could have happiness. You know what? Fuck being stuck on this ship in a transport, or you could become living energy in space. Well, shit. You know, yeah, at least you'd still be alive. Yeah, and you, I genuinely, I was like, are we gonna, is are we gonna get a pullback episode in, you know, in a season's time? Nebula. Yeah. No, no. Click your bloody fingers, and she's back, aged because of the experiences that she's had, and time correlates very okay. different to her. And the nebula has been able to recreate her or something. Yeah, yeah and yeah, it's okay. the same. And and I was just like, you bastards, because not only have you just just let him say goodbye to his daughter he's only had a second's thought about how terrible a decision he's made yeah. when she comes back and tells him he's made the right decision yes beautiful yeah just, just to so tie well. that up so yeah. the character isn't worried about it or upset exactly about it. No, and it, he doesn't spend the rest of the season saying oh well my daughter could be in danger he knows she's not he knows that that's where she is and we may get back to her at some point which i think would be a great episode yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely but the episode itself was littered with the funness of, of these kind of yes. holodeck episodes. Again, those Anton sort of Mount, the spot come on. Bravo to that man oh, for fully God. embracing yeah. that. Oh, God, he, he was so much fun. Yeah, he so was much brilliant fun. as that sort of cowardly, uh, almost jester type, wasn't he? And so was Christina uh, Chong as well. That, ooh, snooty kind of, ah, oh, yes. perfect. She, again, she just fully embraced that. Yeah very stuck-up british persona and it worked a yeah. treat uh, it was really really good yeah um again it was just it was the touching things like the the differences so he'd always been reading the book to his daughter and she's always like i want this to change and i want things to change like, well that's not how the book when you write a book and then we suddenly see those changes come out which is how he realizes his daughter's involved and it's uh it, it's the stuff with uh, number one um, and uh, what's the fucking base? Oh, is it? Oh God, I'm trying to remember the pilot's bloody name. Ortegas. Ortegas. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's it's the stuff that they've got, and it's just like, oh, there's a Burgundian relationship there, and he's suddenly like, wait, what? That's not in the goddamn story. And it's just, yeah, his daughter's just come up with it, and again, it's just they're all having a laugh with it, and they're having a, a lot of fun. Ortegas actually is one character I haven't really talked about all season. I, do, I just realised. It's just a zinger every yeah. fucking week. She's just in the background yeah. and just has those brilliant little lines yeah. or the little playoffs yeah. with the captain. Like, she did it with Uhura, like, turns up for the for the, for the captain's breakfast, dinner, whatever the fuck, and she's like, why aren't you dressed in uniform? Oh, you've got to dress up in uniform. Opens the door, nobody's in dress uniform. It's just like, ha sucker! Okay, that's your personality? Great. Yeah. Just the kind of person I want. Exactly. And, and I'm, I think in the, uh, the Gorn episode, um, which is the next one, she's got and and the 10th episode mm. she's got some very strong opinions or say yeah. yes on the bridge yeah in the 10th one it's like it's the the future version of it yes so you can understand why that is where she's a lot harsher than would have been normally yeah. so you can kind of see that yeah so yeah episode nine all those who wander so this is this is the Gorn one i was thinking of earlier yeah. where they get led into a Gorn trap and there's Gorns being born and like I say, I got, I liked it a lot. It it was 
almost pushing into that sci-fi horror mm. genre at times. Mm. Like say, I was reminded of Alien, of uh, you know, of, of predator type situations, and you know, predators on a planet, not in a ship. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah, of course. Being yeah. hunted by something like Alien or Predator, yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah. it might be. Um, but I really like that. I like that change. I like the the that that pivot that you can do with the with the show because you're doing it in that way where mm. it's not like right because like discovery every episode feels the same almost I mean, I, yeah I don't mean it, it's part it of the, the grander same, picture but exactly yeah you, no, no no yeah you feel like you're part of the same whole whereas these yeah. episodes they can pivot and they can do a comedy episode and then they can do with this episode and then they can do something that's a bit more horror inflected and yeah. It works because you've established that. Look, we're not going to sit in the same bubble. Yeah, perfect. Exactly yeah. right. You're, I'm, we're not going to stay and just it all looks the same. It all feels the same every week. We're going to mix it up. We're going to play about with it, and we're going to see how these people interject. These are the little things that I am, fingers crossed, hoping uh, that they do look at some of the changes in how they approach this series to how they approach Discovery because Discovery has very much been big overarching story for every season for the last four seasons and I think a lot of people were possibly hoping that come the fourth season when we got to where we are now not going to say too much not there where we've got to where we are now within the show that they're going to maybe change things because i want to expand upon trek lore and i want to do this that and the other and it didn't do that and i i'm i can feel the detractors kind of saying it's like you're setting things up but then you're just you're going back to this well of okay we're just going for this circular seasonal motion and i'm hoping that they see strange new worlds and they go no, we need a little bit more of that. We, we're, we're now at a point now where we can go outside of this box of let's just do an overarching season. I'm fingers crossed anyway that that's going to possibly be the case because it, this was always the thing of the early seasons of any of the treks. They didn't have the overarching thing. As things developed, they did. And for Voyager and for DS9, when they, when they hit those notes... It was good, but they also took the time to do the individual ones. They didn't always, you know, even within the space of the Dominion War, we still had fun throwaway episodes, which was always the good thing. It's like, yeah, you, you're touching on the, the war and it's all serious, but you're also still playing with the characters and you're still seeing where they're going. With Discovery, it feels like they grind, they grind the characters down constantly is the best way I could describe it. And while there are moments of levity uh, and they're all united as a crew... I do wish that they had some uh, lighter episodes, a little yeah. bit more frequent. Uh, yeah. Is the that's the only thing I'd say. That's probably because there was the season four was very heavy, mm-hmm. um, and then yeah, this comes along, and I think it's one of the reasons that a lot of people have embraced it because it is a little bit fresher. It's a little bit newer. It it doesn't take itself too damn seriously all the time, and then you get a couple of episodes like this where some serious tones. Yeah, because obviously there's the end that we haven't yeah, touched on. Yeah, um, but it, it adds on the serious tones, but it also doesn't take away... It, it, it sets because you've got a character basically saying, look, this is what I'm telling you to do. I've been telling you all season. I may not be here anymore, but this is what... And it, it's not taking anything away from that, whereas sometimes I felt um, with episodes of discovery again when you get around to the fourth season you, you'll, you'll kind of understand a couple of episodes it's like okay the character's gone in this direction then they pulled them back and then they put them in the same direction it's like you can't keep pulling them back to put them in the if same you're gonna position go that way just go that way yes exactly Stop. don't 
half ass in it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And this episode very much feels like um, we're taking a risk with this one because, as we know, we lose our engineer. Yeah. Uh, so the, I'll say, I'll, I'll, yes, Hemmer, uh, Hemmer or yeah. Bruce Horak under the makeup is the actor's name, who I think is really good. And I, I really like the character. Like yeah. a, a blind engineer was a really interesting idea. And obviously he's an alien, but he's, he can feel things and he's got telepathy and, yeah. you know, he, he functions. And it's, that's quite interesting when he, we first meet him and people are like, well, yeah, but what can you do? Mm -hmm. You can't see anything. How are you? It's just, I love anybody who is just curt and just abrasive to people. Yeah, it just absolutely. reminds me of me. <laughs> you know, um, people probably would would say that if they listen to this at work they'd probably say yeah that's agreement um but yeah so i love that kind of abrasiveness but at the same time you know i'm not gonna say i've got a heart because you know that's questionable but he has the biggest one of the biggest hearts in the yeah. entire fucking crew absolutely um his conversation with uhura yeah earlier in the season before, yeah where she's rotating around through engineering now there's that episode where he hurts his hands yeah and she has to do it for him and of course he can't see what she can see and it, it, yeah it's the way they have to work together to get it done and he is one of those people who's a bit like well what help are you going to be yeah and she she proves herself to him and again it's 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 part of her arc as well then oh that builds that yeah. confidence more because it's yeah. like yeah you doubted me and i proved you wrong and again because it's star trek the character turns around at the end and goes you know what i doubted you and i was fucking wrong mm-hmm Fair play. Yeah. You know, and, and you get that. And that's nice that you, you bring that background because then the character can go, hey, I've succeeded. Boom. On to my next challenge. Yeah. And that's what she's doing in this series is moving from, from challenge to challenge, yeah. trying to see and decide where she wants to go. I mean, again, if you look back at the whole series, it really is... Ahura's journey really is... is yeah, first year. It's like, oh, your first year exactly, on the Enterprise. Sort of, yeah, yeah. She, is, she is us. Mm. learning the crew learning about the ship learning about her place within it mm. she's sort of our way in to everyone and what's happening generally yeah. and, and even that's the thing he he understands that she's questioning whether she should stay on the ship whether she wants to be a part of starfleet this was always kind of an experiment so to speak for her she was running away run away just from where she was was she moving in the right direction and and he's just like you do deserve to be here. In fact, you should be here because you're good at it. Like, and and that's one of the things that he's, you know, his death speech is basically saying how much he's actually enjoyed things. And yeah, and shit that she deserves, she should stay in. Starfleet. Yeah, um, and it is that thing of again, they didn't go down the trope of okay, uh, you know, this is somebody who they're going to have to deal with, and uh, okay, we're going to put him in stasis or something like that. He was just like, no, I've got to sacrifice myself. Yeah, this but again, the, it wasn't know, a. You know, it wasn't a dramatic, heroic no, no. sacrifice because he didn't die in battle or anything. He, yeah. they won. He's, a, he's a pacifist. They won. He's the, a fucking pacifist. He genuinely doesn't exactly. want to go out and assault or and that's hurt the worst, anybody. That's the worst thing about it because they win the episode. They get rid of the Gorn. Yeah. But he gets so, yeah. infected. Yeah. And his, so he's going to die but his, or he's going to let a Gorn loose on the ship. And his rationale behind that is that if he does that, that is going against his very nature of pacifism. If I let myself get taken over, if I basically allow this thing to kill me, it's going to come and kill you. I can't allow that. So I'm going to sack it. And it's, it's, it is heart-wrenching because I, I'd read a comment um, 
after this episode aired and it, it was genuine because i was just like you know what? I, I feel like that's actually a, a correct assessment i fear that the writers of this show are going to regret that decision massively because he's such a rich great character they could have done a lot more with you know give him one more season and then they could have had this situation but i also understand the impact of emphasizing how serious the gorn are because they have essentially become the 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 borg or the fucking dominion for this series that they are the big bad yeah uh, they're, they're the guys and that again, we're they're, make, of. they're doing a great job to make them look fucking terrifying. Yes. Because you, you because again, um, Christina Chong playing Lan Nooney and Singh, who was kidnapped by the Gorn or her colony ship was taken over by the Gorn and she escaped them. Her, her acting is so good that you buy the stories when she's telling you the backstory of how horrible yeah. it was and watching these people die and what happened to them and blah, blah, blah. You buy it and they yeah. seem She's freaking terrifying. out at the survivors of this one because she's like, the fuck, like these survivors. She knows they get. She she dubious as to that oh, they're not infected. Whatever. She she fucking knows there's an infection there. And when it happens, she's like the fuck. Yep. You know, she's just furious because she knows that this is going on. And yeah, it's really hard for her to to escape that. Um. So again, it it's a heart wrenching thing at the end uh, because we lose a really good member of the crew. It's another one of these things that brings this crew closer together, though, because it's always it always is with the bloody senior, you know, officers. Um, it's one of the funny things. So one of the I didn't mention I have been watching Lower Decks recently. Um, as an aside, it is a very very refreshing look at how Trek is because they take the piss out of the fact that the senior officers die and come back to life. Nobody explains it, and they talk about these kind of things. And uh, I, I did laugh because I was like, you know what, shit, yeah, because. People die and stuff, and it's just like, you know, yeah, it's, it's sometimes a bit miserable. Where, yeah, so that was funny thing. Um, so we go into this one. Now, before... the last episode is... Before we took search on the last episode, have you seen the corresponding original series episode? I, I have not seen ah, okay. the actual episode. I have. But... I have. I have watched, after watching this episode... Yeah. I learned that it was like sections of it are taken literally verbatim yes, from an original series episode. So I have watched a sort of YouTube breakdown okay. comparison okay. type okay, thing. So yes, so I'm aware of of what what they've done. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Because I know uh, I'd spoken to our good friend Baggy, and uh, he 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 thought, excuse me, he thought he'd seen it. He couldn't remember, and I was like, no, no, I 100% remember this episode because as soon as it started. And as soon as certain events happen, I was like, oh my God, I know exactly how this is going to go down. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. So yeah, this one starts by Pike being visited by his future self. Well, it it's well, as a result of... So yeah, it, it's as we said right at the start, Pike is now aware of his inevitable fate that he's going to ah, become yes. a, yeah. you know, a vegetable in a bloody box, basically. Um, and... He realizes at the start of the episode that he has just been introduced to the father of one of the the kids who's going to die when this accident happens. So he decides, maybe I can change fate, maybe I can change destiny. And so begins to write a letter to this kid, which then means that his future self appears and says, you can't write that letter, you have to accept your fate is essentially the, the, the message that he gets. Um, I'll let you take on from there. Because, uh, like I say, I've seen the episode, so my perspective of it is very different, um, you know, for, for, for both sides. So, yeah, he has... 
yeah, he decides, he sits down to write the letter, doesn't he? And then yeah. he's visited by future Pike using a time crystal. Yes, which we've established in, in Discovery. Discovery. <coughs> so he comes to him and, yeah, basically says, you can't do this. But then we get a, he basically puts him into the world as it would be if Pike doesn't do what he should do, if he doesn't mm. die or, you know, get injured in the way that he does, this is where the world's going and it's worse than you might think. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult to see why to start with. Yeah. Particularly for him because he's alive, so that would be good. Um, but obviously as it goes on, he learns more and more about what's missing because Lan goes on a... She goes on a sabbatical at the end of the ninth episode, I think, doesn't yeah. she, to sort of rehome yes, the last the, the, survivor the child or something. Of yeah. The Gorn attack, yeah. Um, so she's not there on the ship. Yeah. Um, Una, number one, has gone. She's not there either because she's been locked away because she's a genetically modified person. Um, Kirk obviously should be captaining a ship at this stage, so we run into Kirk and the Farragut and. Uh, I don't think it's Kirk, but I don't dislike his performance particularly. I, d I don't dislike it because I, I, don't, I... It's not Kirk. It's not Kirk, but I think the thing is is that it's, it's Wesley, very hard... Paul Wesley. Yeah, um, it is very hard when you step into that role where you've had Shatner do it for X amount of fucking years and then, uh, you know, Chris Pine comes along and you're like, oh man, it's one of the Chris's. Like, shit, I've, I've got to go up again. And Chris Pine did a very good performance. Yeah. This is a much more reserved kirk at this point but at the same time i enjoyed that because he isn't the kirk that we know because he's not had the same experiences that's very true similarities yeah, the one but in it's, this one he hasn't built the same way has he? it's so, like yeah. spock seems a little bit more brusque a little bit harsher to begin with when pike and he sit down and have that conversation and pike's like i'm i'm from the past this is me looking at the future spock suddenly kind of then reverts back to oh okay like he, he's, he seems a little bit brusque to begin with. Well, that may have just been me, but he did seem a little bit harder as a person because of the experiences. Yeah. Kirk is not that person. We still the, still see the same brashness and the same get up and go attitude, yes. which, you know, by the end of this episode, you understand why that was needed in the way that it was. But yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting episode because obviously what it's doing is telling the story. Like you say, this is an original series episode, essentially, that Kirk is in command of. And what we're seeing is the version of that those events play out if Kirk if, if Pike wasn't taken out of his position at the mm -hmm. time he was. So he is still in command of the Enterprise at this stage. And like you say, as it goes on, it's weird because you think, well yeah, Pike's doing the right thing. Pike's doing the right thing. He's being the pacifist. Mm -hmm. He's trying to talk to them. He's blah blah blah. He's blah blah blah. And like you say, Kirk is like, oh, no, let's go and chase him down and shoot him and blah. Uh, and it, it's really interesting that actually, by the end, no, that he was right. Yeah. We should have done it Kirk's way. Because what Pike comes to realise is that in this future, not only is this person missing and that person missing, Spock is eventually going to encounter the same fate as Pike does. Yeah. So instead of Pike going through that, He's choosing to let Spock go through that. And it seems to be in all eventualities yep. 
at some, some point, point it's going to end up being Spock. Exactly. Um, yeah, so... And that's what I, he can't... That's what did, makes his mind up. He's like, yeah. no, I cannot... I, I, knowing that his own fate... Knowing that that fate is inescapable mm -hmm. to someone, you know, because that's what he learns, isn't it? Is that I might escape it, mm. but someone has to go through this. Mm -hmm. And am I really going to be the guy that goes, well, I don't want to. Yeah. I'm going to make you go through it. And then I'm going to stand and watch you go through it. And I'm going to see the impact of what happens to Starfleet and everything exactly. else. Exactly. If I don't do what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's... The original episode, I'd, I'd remembered watching it because it is the episode where they first see Romulans. Romulans yeah, because they um, even do the same shot, don't they? Where, because, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's like Spock raises his eyebrow and the camera zooms in on him. And it was weird watching the, the newer episode, the, um, the, the Strange New Worlds episode. So I was like, that's a weird camera choice yeah. to zoom in like that. Yeah, do they the just, yeah, they just, yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. weird. Yeah. But then, of course, saw the corresponding scene from the other episode and was like, oh, okay, it makes perfect sense. You're, yeah. you're doing it as a little homage to the reaction. And do you want to know another little Star Trek tidbit fun fact? The man who played the Romulan was also the guy who would end up playing Spock's father, Savick. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So yeah, it's it's actually a really good episode because it is that thing of um, again watching the original. You've got the two sides. You've got yeah, Kirk and the Enterprise, basically guessing what is going on. What what is this ship and what what, what the hell is going on? And then they get the whole Romulans Vulcans thing, and then people kind of look at Spock and go, "Well, it's got to be you know." And and so there's a whole lot of tension there. And as things progress, it's where it gets to the comet within the within the episode. I couldn't fully remember what happened in the episode, but they get to the comet section mm -hmm. of the story, and I knew exactly what happened after that. And uh, yeah, it's that thing of that. There's the discussion on the ship, and some people are agree or disagreeing with Kirk over whether they should destroy the ship or whether she'd let it go. And eventually, he's like, "They've attacked us." Mm. We don't know who they are, but they have attacked us. If we don't attack them back, we are showing weakness. So they decide to attack. And we know the outcome of that. Uh, you know, the Romulan commander gets in contact with Kirk and says almost verbatim what he says to Pike. In another universe, I might have considered you friend. And he says the very same thing to Kirk as he did to Pike because... There's still these guys out in space doing shit that other people can't. There is command of a ship that other people aren't. Um, so when you see the, the difference, yeah, it, it kind of hits home. In the real version, they destroy the Romulan ship and supposedly the Romulans decide, fuck it, we're not taking the risk because they will attack us. Whereas in the Pike version, they don't attack. Pike goes for peace and neutrality. And it comes back to bite him in the ass and the Romulans attack them. Um... I mean, it's that thing of, oh, they're like, oh, you know, the war is still continuing. I'm not sure whether that would have been the case. I think they probably would have been wiped out by then. But that's an aside, because they're already going to face tough competition from the Romulans. The Klingons aren't really going to be there. You know, the, the, the Federation would be wiped out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we get to the end of this episode. We've got to the end of this first series, which began with Pike composing himself to the fact that I have an inevitable death, which is not going to be nice. It's going to be a horrible death. Well, not even a death, sorry. It's, it's going to be a horrible life after this fact. 
I have to console myself with the fact that I can either try and change it or I've got to embrace it. And every year, every day, until that day, I'm going to be the best version of myself I can be. And that's very much, I think, where we get Pike at the end of this series. Said about Spock, again, right at the beginning, why is there a closeness in the relationship between these two that goes to the point where Spock will, be, you know, basically go against orders in the original series to help his original captain out? Why would he do that? And the end of this series, we suddenly get him realising if Pike doesn't do what he's going to do, I'm going to die. He's saving my life. I owe him my life now. Absolutely. Um, so it's, yeah, full circle very much with the series. And just to kind of leave us on a cliffhanger of where we're going to go with this, number one gets arrested for being yeah. by, genetic... By bloody... Uh, by by Pike's, Pike's bloody girlfriend. And you're like, oh, yeah, the it's, it's, starts yeah. with him making her food, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> after, yeah. Morning yeah. after. Yeah. Um, I've just found the uh, actress's name for Angel. It's Jesse James Keitel. Don't know whether she's any relation. But um, the reason is because the character's actually called Dr. Aspen to start with. Mm. So on IMDb, she's listed as Dr. Aspen. Ah, uh, okay. And then uh, okay. when we learn who she really is, she's Angel. But yeah, my, just, uh, my notes here yeah. have her listed as Angel. There so you that's go. how I Yeah, like I say, as, as uh, you know, we, we've said, I mean, there's, there's always characters, there's always actors within any series that kind of just, yeah, there's something about, something special about them. Yeah, and she just, for that episode, I was like, you've got very unique look, yeah. very unique style. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, it's just one of those, and, and you've read the blog there, I'm like, yeah, I kind of see that that goes hand in hand with the, the kind of person that she is. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing where they're going to go with this, because... Yeah. I mean, we've had our little teases, haven't we? Because we yeah. got rid of Hemmer, so yeah. there was a scene in the... 10th episode where someone was in a Jeffrey's tube and you could hear a Scottish Hello. voice down. Hello, the... you dear lad. I said Scottish, but fair enough. Um, you could hear that down. It's <laughs> my attempt. At no, that's fine. Um, mine wouldn't be much better. That's why I'm not even going for it. Um, the only thing I could ever say was, you wee bastard. Um, There's nothing wrong with the bloody thing. That was, yeah. there you go. An actual Scottish thing. Um, so but yeah, yeah, yeah we so heard like that. Yeah. We're going to introduce... Scotty, maybe that's why yeah. we've got rid of Hemmer. Like you say, I'd, I'd have maybe kept Hemmer going for another season or so. And then yeah, I do feel... Started to move uh, that way. Yeah. It's like, But at the same time, d with the actor, you, you never know with an actor, they turn around and go, we want you to have this role. And he's like, cool. And then he gets like four episodes. He's like, guys, this is a lot of fucking makeup. Yeah, I can't Too much for me. Too much for me. Um, you, you don't know. Yeah, at, at the same time, this is also Trek. He could be dead now and he could be back next series. Yeah, very true, very true. Um, and my only other criticism, I think, is I, I, I was upset that they finished Mbenga's daughter arc with, quick, within that lot first quick. season. It's, I it, thought that might... Yeah. I don't know whether it would have been better or worse for it. it I'm it, not it, saying that. Yeah, no, no, no. I, uh, it yeah. did finish, and I was like, oh, okay, we're done yeah, with that. Oh, I, okay. I, I did wonder about that, but at the same time, I'm like... I, when I watched it, I was like, fucking hell, they've addressed this. They haven't just put pause and then gone... We, we don't actually know how to save her. Yeah. We're going to just keep stretching it out until... Yeah, I can see that miracle that cure been a happens. Idea. Yeah. And Addressing it. Because, yeah, there's only two ways to go. She's either going to get cured or she's yeah. not. And and I, I, like I say, if, if I get an episode in the second season or third season where he's just like, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to take a trip to go and see my daughter. Have fun. And he gets in a shuttlecraft and just goes there and then... I don't care. Just having that would be interesting. Um... 
Again, we also haven't discussed what happened with Mbanga's wife and the the kid's mum. Yeah. Where that relation? So there's still uh, questions about that character, and I think it's the same very much across the board. I like all of these characters. I actually, I actually like the characters. Yeah, I really. I can't do. always say that watching series these days. It is very hard. Um, it's why I gave up on shows like The Walking Dead and, and shit like I just got to the point I didn't like the character no. I don't want to watch <laughs> Everyone it Everyone was an arsehole by the end Yeah like, and, and that's this. the problem I can't stand but a you, show you where can like, make it's like that Anti-heroes work to a degree but it's one of my issues with a lot of um, this sort of Disney trend of let's give the villain a film and it's like right but they're villains so they should be villains <laughs> But, of course, a villain doesn't carry a film because you don't like a villain. Yeah. So you have to make them relatable. You have to give them... You know, it's that thing of... We, we went through a period where everything was a 2D villain. Mm -hmm. And now everything has to be a three-dimensional, fully-fleshed-out mm -hmm. villain. And part of me is still like, no, no, well, could we not just have the black and white could, could, yeah, villain Yeah, could we not sometimes? just have a thing where a guy is just born pure fucking evil? Exactly. Pure fucking evil. Like... It is the funny thing of, uh, you know, having watched some of the, the, the Marvel bits uh, as of late. And again, okay, Gore the God Butcher's story within that is, okay, I can understand. And yes, even when you're reading the comic book, you can see the, you know, relation to the story. And you can see his, his you understand, uh, you know, two gods come crashing down who haven't helped his people. Yet they're screaming out for help from him. He's like, fuck off, I'm going to kill you. That's fine, I, I get that. By the end of the comic run, he is the god of butchers. He's not the butcher god. He's the god of butchers. He's become a god himself. He's become the very thing that he, he hated to begin with. That is where the difference in that story to the one that we got presented in the film was. Well, yeah, because that, that was very much the other type of Marvel villain, which is uh, right sensibilities, yeah. wrong way of pulling it off. Like yeah. Killmonger. Yeah. Killmonger wasn't wrong in what he was doing. No. But there's that point in the film where he goes full yeah. heel and you're like, right, now I can't back what you're doing because you're going yeah. about it in the wrong way. Whereas the thing is with... Uh, sorry, we keep going back to, to Thor, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but like Ragnarok, where we're talking about Hela. We never saw any fucking motivation for it. Why are you the deranged lunatic that you yeah. are? Yeah. You, she's just like, oh, I'm sorry. Me and dad had a falling out doesn't work you're not giving me any basis for what the fuck your motivation of destroying the entire thanos thanos was right Again, like yeah. wipe out half the world i mean shit look at the, the, the by by was it november of this year there'll be over eight billion people on this planet thanos was right snap your fingers and cut me now fucking hell our planet is gonna die because that is way too many people to populate it. It's, yeah, although weirdly it actually reckons the, the projections show that we're going to get to around 11 billion mm -hmm. and then it's going to tail off. It, and I don't know sustain. why. We're only but that's where the projections yeah. show that it will tail off around 11 billion. I would Presumably imagine we can only sustain that many people. Exactly, that's that's the edge of us. Unless you are going to start building... Oh, unless, uh, unless the, 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 you know, the current sort of trans movement continues moving. Because the more people that are trans and stuff, the less babies that are getting born, mm. unless you're going to go to IVF all the time and test tubes and yeah, then you're into genetically modified let, let, children. Let's just say some countries will pretty much, mm, you know, count that percentage very much out of the water. Yeah. Certain countries are beyond the realm of we have 
more people than we fucking know what to do with. Oh yeah, point. India, China. Yeah, yeah massively, massively, massive, massively. Because isn't it um, India's population is about to overtake China? Yes. When it's a much smaller land. Mass, yes, yes, it is. And is you insane. just think, the fuck, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you know, we we look at the horrible desert heat that we've had uh, as of late, and they're all, yeah, it's all global warming. It's not going to get better. The more people we put on the fucking planet. No. No, absolutely not. There you go. There's a happy thing to end on, ladies and gentlemen. Doom and gloom. So let's keep the trans movement going so that people stop having babies. And then we'll be all right. <laughs> That's the only way I can think of getting out of it. But, because, um, <coughs> yeah, you're going to do away with traditional means of baby making in that scenario. But then, like I say, you're into genetic modification and stuff, potentially, and I thought we didn't want to do that. Anyway, that's a topic for another day. That's actually a topic for an entirely different podcast, but... Yeah, I mean, if you're going to, like, give me an immortal body and um, it's going to retain all my memories forever, yeah, okay, that, I'll consider that, but otherwise, eh, just let me die. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, I think we'll leave it there. Um, yes, great series. If you are any sort of Star Trek fan or have ever considered yourself to be any sort of Star Trek fan of any of the series that they've done, please, apart from maybe Discovery. If you're a fan of Discovery, don't watch this. But if you're a... I think you mean Picard. Because yeah. this is essentially a sequel to Discovery. It is It is a spin-off from Discovery. I just think if you like the way Discovery works as a series, this may not gel for you. Because it's totally different. It is, but I also think that if you enjoy your Strange New Worlds, you may not necessarily like your Discovery because of the way that it is. So I think that it... it, it I agree. Put it this way. If you if like ever, Trek... Let's go back to what I was going to say. Then. Yeah. If you've ever been a fan of any Trek, yeah. give this a shot. Massively. Because it is the most Trek Trek I've seen since yeah. the end of Voyager. Yeah, it's... Uh, you actually like the characters, not, ugh, is it that week's episode for that character? Yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm happy to see yeah. an episode oh, on Uhura any of this one. Oh, it's Lan this one. Oh, yeah. it's Una this one. Yeah. Oh, it's Spock this one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see where it's going. I know, uh, having recently um, read a, a little brief thing that Anson Mount said, uh, that we've got the two characters, again, just going back to, to Star Trek Lower Decks, we've got two of the main characters from that who are going to be appearing in the new season of Strange New Worlds. Now, this is a very hard thing to figure out because Strange New Worlds is sat... Quite some time before Next Generation, Voyager, DS9 era. Lower Decks is very much set in that era, so I'm very curious to see how uh, uh, Boimler and... and, um, and that could, I'm really, really confused as to how to see it. But yeah, we're going to get Jack Quaid, who obviously is Huey in, um, in The Boys. Oh, right, okay. He, he, uh, he plays uh, Boimler, and then there's Mariner, who... Um, it's kind of the other second main character. But yeah, so he's going to be... Yeah, so Jack Quaid will, will end up being in Strange New World. To what degree, I don't understand, because they're supposed to be set in the future, so I'm curious to see how they're, they're linking these. But again, if you want to laugh, um, now that you've watched a bit of Serious Trek, if you want to laugh, go and watch Lower Decks, because it doesn't take itself seriously at all. It takes a little while for you to actually like some of the crew members, but by the time I got to the end of the first season, I was like, actually, I get the gel of this show... It is actually quite funny. And I do love the fact that in Lower Decks, uh, the first officer is uh, Jerry O'Connell, who is married to Rebecca Romain, who is the first officer in Strange New Worlds. There you go, another connection. Of course, because she's just Rebecca Romain these days, not Rebecca Romain Stamos. She used to be married to John Stamos, I believe, from uh, 
Full House. Sure has. I'll take your word for it. And Fuller House. I only know that because my daughter absolutely adored those two shows. She watched them all on Netflix. So, let's leave it there. Um, yeah, we'll probably do an SDCC Marvel Phase 5, Phase 6 thing Yeah, next catching time. up with Ms. Marvel. Up, discussing and stuff, discussing lots of Marvel things. Yeah. I've still got notes in my book about Hawkeye that I don't think we've discussed Yeah, I don't yet. think we've talked about Hawkeye. Oh, we haven't talked about Moon Knight. Doctor Strange no. or so, Moon yeah, Knight. It's, um, so, yeah, we'll do a sort we'll of a Marvel catch, catch up and what's to come type episode, I think, next. So, for now, ladies and gentlemen, I shall say that I have been Bav. And I have been Fluff. And this has been Screen Masters.